minister God's word. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. We have been blessed to be here. I don't think the married couple should have any more trouble, but if they do, Pastor, we'll be glad to come back and have another go at you. Uh, I love to straighten out women, and Jean loves to speak to men, so we, we thoroughly have enjoyed our visit. And uh, it, it's just good to be among God's people this morning. I want us to consider a scripture from James chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 2 through 4. James wrote, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Maybe a, a better understanding of that is a trial, a tribulation, a, a negative adversity in, in your life. Count it all joy when you fall into these things, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works endurance, patience. But let patience, endurance, have her perfect work, that you may be perfect, entire, and wanting nothing. Father, we just ask now that the Holy Spirit would take these words and would write them upon our hearts so that we're never able to walk away from what has been stated from your word today because it becomes a part of our very lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. It was a very hot August afternoon in Georgia. We live in the Atlanta, Georgia area. I had been to lunch with a friend. I had stopped by the supermarket to just pick up a few little items. I had uh, gone to my kitchen, which is on the second level of my home, and put my groceries away. And then I remembered I had not checked the mailbox. So I descended to the lower level of my house. I went out through the garage. And my driveway is rather long. And we had planted some shrubbery along the edge of our driveway. So I walked to the back of the driveway to see how my shrubbery was living in the hot August heat. And as I was observing the shrubbery, I turned to go to the mailbox, and my foot hit a pebble, a rather large little rock, which was on my driveway. I did an ankle roll, and I realized I could not straighten myself up, and I was falling to concrete, and I caught myself on my elbow. And there I lay on my driveway with a broken left ankle and a cracked left elbow. I was at home alone, and the very bad news is my cell phone was in my kitchen on the second floor of my house. My husband was on the golf course and not due home until 7 o'clock that night. Uh, we live in a neighborhood that doesn't have a lot of traffic. It's a cul-de-sac. So I knew I was in for a long visit with concrete. But you know, desperate women can do powerful things. Have you ever noticed that? When a woman's desperate, uh, things just begin to happen. And I thought, well, I'm not totally helpless because I do have the Holy Spirit. 
So I grabbed my ankle and I prayed and I said, Holy Spirit, uh, you're just going to have to help me. I, I don't know what to do. And then I remembered I had a landline phone in the bottom level of my home. The only problem was it was about 55 or 60 feet from where I was. But you can crawl with a broken elbow and a broken ankle when you're desperate. Don't ask me how I did it, but I was able to crawl to a landline phone, and uh, I, you know, ended up in a hospital having surgery on my left ankle and on my left elbow. I spent the uh, rest of August in a rehab center because I was totally helpless on my left side. I spent uh, seven weeks total in that rehab center sitting in a wheelchair because I could not put weight on my ankle and my elbow would not work. And then I spent most of October learning to uh, walk again. Now, now, this is uh, one of those things that I identify with when I read the Bible. Because James says, count it all joy when you fall into tribulation. <laughs> and I just fell into tribulation going to the mailbox. I mean, a simple thing, going to the mailbox changed the next seven weeks of my life. I fell into tribulation. Uh, I did not expect it. It wasn't on my vision statement. I had no prior warning. I, I just simply was going to the mailbox and stepped on a rock in the driveway and fell into a trial. I remember waking up from surgery I, I went to the hospital on Tuesday. They did the surgery on my ankle on uh, Thursday, well, I wake up from surgery and my left elbow's in a splint, you know, resting on a pillow. My left leg is raised up over my head in a cast up to my knee. And I wake up and my husband, Gene, is sitting across the room from me. And I, I ask a question, because when you fall into things, it makes you ask questions. There's one whole book in the Bible about this called Job. And the book of Job is because he fell into something and it spends 37 chapters talking with his friends uh, trying to answer the questions. So Gene is my Job's comforter. Uh, he's across the room from me and I look at him and I say, how in the world, could this happen to me, a woman of faith? I believe angels are given charge over me to keep my feet in all of my ways. How could this happen to me? Now, I expected at least 37 chapters, you know. I thought we were going to have a discussion. And Jean said to me, life happens. And I said with as much uh, energy as I could muster up after surgery, I said, is that all you're going to say to me? Life happens? 
And Jean said, well, what do you want me to say to you? I said, well, a scripture would be nice. <laughs> because, you know, faith comes by scripture. So the good thing about him, Pastor, he always has a scripture. And this was the scripture he gave me. In the world you shall have tribulation. <laughs> be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So I just told him to shut up and go eat a burger. I thought, who needs that kind of comforter in a hospital room with you? But, but it is true. Jean told me the absolute truth. Life happens. We, we are not living a movie script. Uh, we, we are Christian people who are living in an unredeemed world. And there is a kingdom of darkness that is at work in this world. Jesus told us to pray, saying, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when he tells us to pray that, we must understand not everything that happens down here is the will of God. Not everything that happens down here is uh, always in line with what truth there is in the Bible. I do believe, I believe firmly that God tells us the truth, that angels are given charge over us. I believe that because God has said that. But now life has happened to me and I have this experience which seems contrary to the truth of God's word. And James calls it, a trial of faith. It is a trial of faith. This is going to determine what, what is deeply believed when life happens, when those unexpected things happen, those things that you didn't see coming, those things that weren't on your vision statement. Uh, life happens because we, we live in, in this kind of world. And every one of you have stories about your rocks in the driveway. Uh, maybe some of you have been through divorce. You didn't intend that to happen. You didn't see that coming when you stood and said, I do. But life happens. Rocks in the driveway. Maybe some of you have experienced sickness. And that certainly is not the will of God, but it, it's rocks in the driveway. Or maybe some of you have had struggles with your job. Maybe you've lost a job. You didn't see it coming, but it's life happening. And the Bible says when those things happen, it becomes a trial of faith because faith is, faith is imperative. And, and these things come, and what, what happens <clears throat> is they come to rob us of our faith and our belief that God has told us the truth, that God has told us uh, the way it should be. And the, the verb, fall into, is only used two other places in the New Testament. It is used in the story of the Good Samaritan. 
This traveler was beaten, left for dead by robbers, and a good Samaritan comes by to minister to this man who has been beaten by the robbers. And the scripture says in Luke, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves. And so we are told here that when we fall into tribulation, that that tribulation is a thief. It has come to rob us. It has come to shake our faith. It has come to move us away from our strong belief in a God who has told us the truth. It is a thief. Uh, another place where the verb fell into is used was in the story of the Apostle Paul's journey uh, on, at sea during a hurricane. And Acts 27 says that the ship Paul was on fell into a place where two seas came together, and it was shipwrecked. So the second meaning of falling into is, is that it is sent to shipwreck your faith and to leave you on the shore of unbelief, not quite certain of God, not quite certain of your own selves, where your experience becomes more powerful than what God has told you. And just simple things in life can shake faith. You, you can just be like me, go into the mailbox, and life happens. I taught a Bible study, and, and there was an elderly woman. I, I was in my 30s at this time, and she was in her 80s. And she lived with her sister. The two of them had never married, and they, uh, you know, just lived together. And uh, Miss Effie was a member of my Bible study. And she would come every Thursday to my home, and she would always say to me when she entered my home, I need to lay down on the sofa, bug, which is what she called her sister, nearly killed me today. And I always wondered, was Bug some kind of abuser? And then one day, Bug and Miss Effie invited me to lunch, and I understood. Because Bug drove the automobile that day. Those two old 80-year-old women were in the front seat. I'm a young woman in the back seat. And Bug drove that car like we were in Indianapolis Raceway. We came out of my driveway at 75 miles an hour. We zoomed down the highway. I don't know if she stayed in her lane. And finally, Miss Effie said to Bug, Bug, you just passed the restaurant. This is a true story. Bug did a U-turn on a four-lane highway without even slowing down. Cars are blowing their horns. She is receiving the third finger of fellowship from a lot of drivers. And Bug is just oblivious to all of the trouble. And I'm in the back seat praying I don't die before lunch. So sometimes you just go to lunch with 80-year-olds and you fall into things. You just 
fall into things. You didn't see it coming. And, and this is what James says, that, that sometimes you, you just fall into things. I want us to consider for a few minutes the Apostle Paul. In my opinion, outside of Jesus Christ, he's the most outstanding person in the Bible. His testimony is just incredible. Uh, what he did, we still preach from it today. The man wrote two-thirds of our New Testament. Just an incredible man. And when he comes to the end of his life, he sort of sums his life up. And he said, I have finished my course. I have fought the good fight of faith. And I have kept the faith. Now this says to me that, that this man uh, met some uh, things he fell into. Because the scripture tells us very clearly that he had to fight to have faith. That his faith was a very intentional thing. And I want us to focus on that word intentional. Because a lot of times we aren't intentional about our belief systems. We don't intentionally believe. We just sort of hope that God works here today and that somehow we come to this, this thing that the Bible calls believing. All things are possible if we can believe. And, and we don't become intentional. But this man sums it up and he tells us he had to fight to, to maintain faith. Faith was something he had to keep. He had to hold on to it. He kept the faith. And I understand that because in that rehab center, I had to do some fighting. I had to do some keeping. Uh, I understand you can fall into things. And, and if you're not careful, you're not intentional. And I went on and I read the last epistle where these words were recorded. This is the last letter the man is going to write. He writes it to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he's summing up his life. In a few short days, his head is going to be cut off by the government of Rome. And he's summing up his life. And he said, I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. And then he says this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and 11. He said, there were persecutions and afflictions which came to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. Those are three towns where he preached. Which persecution I endured, but the Lord delivered me out of them all. And I read that, and I thought, what happened at Antioch? What happened at Iconium? What happened at Lystra? That this man who's facing death remembers it. Uh, it it's still in his memory bank. And he even writes about it. This must have been tough times for him, because at the end of his life, he said, I remember this. I remember this. I remember this. And God delivered me out of them all. And we all have those things that we can go back to and remember. 
because they just kind of made marks on, on our walls of memory. Those, those things that happened. I will forever remember, remember breaking an ankle on the driveway. I remember how that feels. I remember seven weeks in a rehab center. Those, those things that make marks upon our lives. And I went back and read in the book of Acts about these cities. And, and Paul went into Antioch, believing that God had called him there, believing that he was a preacher of the gospel, anointed by God from his Damascus Road salvation experience to spread the truth of Jesus Christ. And he goes into Antioch, and he goes into the uh, city of Iconium, and there were Jewish uh, adversaries there, Jews who hated Paul because he was a Jewish uh, religious man who had become a Christian, and these Jews hated him. And they endeavored to kill him. They endeavored to stop him. And the Bible tells us that these Jews went into the cities of Antioch, and I think it was Lystra or Iconium, and they stirred up women. And all of you know when women are stirred up, is a lot of trouble. It's one thing for men to be stirred up, but for women to be stirred up, I mean, it's bad. And they stirred up devout men, honorable men, against the apostle Paul, and he was run out of town. He was run out of town. Now, here's a guy that, that is run out of town trying to preach. Now, think how that must feel. Uh, for somebody to say, well, how did it go at Christian life today? Well, they tried to kill me. <laughs> they ran us out of town. We left town for running for our lives. How many believe that, that might rock your faith a little bit? I thought God called me to preach to those people, and they're trying to kill me. They're, they ran me out of town. But I want us to see what this man did to be very intentional in his faith. Because he said, I had to fight the fight of faith. I had to keep the faith. And in Acts 13, 21, it says this about the Apostle Paul, that when he left Lystra, uh, Antioch, and Iconium, he shook the dust off of his feet. Now, for us, that just is a casual little comment. But shaking the dust off of your feet was a very Jewish thing. And what it meant was this, that I will not allow what happened here to affect the rest of my life. What happened here, I'm going to shake it off and leave it here, and I'm going to move on leaving that behind me. I'm going to leave it behind me. And there are some things that will stay with you throughout your life until you shake it off. You shake it off. Jerry, was it Jerry Lee Lewis said there's a whole lot of shaking going on. I think in the church we need to have a whole lot of shaking going on. Because there are things in life you can't change. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe someone hurt you. Maybe someone treated you terribly. Maybe there are things that are sent to rock your faith. 
And there are things we can't wrap up in nice little neat boxes of theology and explain it. We simply shake it off and keep moving toward God in faith. Moving toward God in our faith. So here was intentional faith, shaking it off, shaking it off. Then he went to uh, Lystra, and at Lystra, they stoned him. These same Jewish men went into that city, and here's Paul trying to preach the gospel, and the Bible says they stoned him and left him for dead. Now, how many believe that hurts? Throwing rocks at you, leaving you for dead. And, and even his disciples were, were gathered around him. I, I assume they thought he was dead. And the Bible says, uh, it, it's just an incredible statement, uh, that he rose up and went to the next city. So here he is rising up. That's intentional faith. Uh, how many believe that after you've been stoned and left for dead, you might not go preach in the next city, you might visit the emergency room? <laughs> A call EMT. Uh, you know, you might go to the hospital. But here's this man rising up. He rose up. Now, when I, I went to this rehab center, I had not been in the hospital since I gave birth in 1965. So this was my first uh, visit to the hospital and to a rehab center. And uh, I'm, I'm one of the patients now in, in the rehab. There's a nursing home on the opposite end of the rehab center with a big uh, rehab room in the middle. So the first day in the rehab center, uh, they come to get me, and they say, Mrs. Evans, are you here to be rehabbed, and we're taking you for therapy. Now, I've got a cast on my left elbow. I've got a, a cast up to my knee. I'm in a hospital gown. I look like, I'll just have to describe it truly, warmed over hell. That's what I look like. My hair was bad. I had no makeup on. Old ragged hospital gown. My eyes got bags under it, my mouth hanging open, you know. I've been through all this surgery. They take me into rehab with people who look like warmed over hell. I mean, we're all just in there with our eyes rolled back, our mouths open, and these little peppy little young therapists trying to get us up, you know, and it was just bad. And so they wheeled me back to my little rehab room, and uh, I was sitting there looking at myself in the mirror. And I thought, this is not who I am. I, am, I may be elderly, but I'm not this weak, warmed-over woman out of hell. I'm a mighty woman of God. Now, I'm very limited as to what I can do to rise up. Because I can't rise up. I can't put any weight on my left leg. I, I can't pull myself up with my left elbow. All that works is one side. But I thought, here's what I'm going to do. So the next morning, 
I wheel myself to the mirror before those little rehab girls come get me. And as best I could, I combed my hair. I didn't want to do full makeup, but I put on bright red lipstick. And I took off the hospital gown and put some shorts on. And when the rehab people came, there I was in my shorts, my bright red lipstick. And they wheeled me into the rehab room, and the doors opened, and there are all the warmed-over hell people in there. And this woman is right in front of me. She looks at me, and she says, Well, look at her. She's got on bright red lipstick. So I just did the Queen Elizabeth wave as they wheeled me over. I really did, because everybody in there was looking at me. And I just did the Queen Elizabeth wave. So the next morning, I did the same thing. And I did that because I'm being intentional. I'm reminding myself, it may be bad right now, but this is not where I'm going to stay. This is not where I'm going to be. I'm not this woman. I may be here for seven weeks, but I'm not this woman. So the next morning, bright red lipstick, shorts, they wheel me in. Now this woman's sitting there again. And this time she said, there she is again with her bright red lipstick. She had a loud mouth like me. <laughs> and I can talk as loud as she can. And she said, what is your issue? Are you looking for a man? <laughs> And I said, well, not in here, I'm not. <laughs> now, everybody's looking at me, and this is what I said. I said, I am making every effort to return to normal. This is not normal. I'm a woman who can walk. I'm a woman who has use of her left side, and I am going to return to normal. I said, why don't all of you fight to return to normal? And that was the last time she spoke to me. <laughs> Intentional faith. Intentional faith. Sometimes it's just putting on bright red lipstick. Now, you men might want to come up with another method, but <laughs> it did work. I'll say that. It worked. So I'll just leave it up to you men to decide uh, that issue. Paul shook the dust, he rose up. That was intentional faith. And then he went to Philippi. He went there to uh, preach again. And I want us to understand what this man went through to preach the gospel. And the Bible tells us he was arrested. He was beaten, he and his traveling companion, Silas. They were thrown into the Philippian prison. Their feet were put in stocks, which was a method of torture. And the Bible says, at midnight, they sang praises to God. Now, these are men who, who keep their focus. When the Bible says, count it all joy when you fall into trials, it's, it doesn't mean we're happy about it. I wasn't happy to be in rehab. But joy is a focus. And joy says, uh, I may not like where I am, 
but this is not where I'm going to stay. God has the last word in my life. That's what joy says. Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. And his joy was he may suffer on Friday, but there was resurrection on Sunday. And there has to be this, this attitude uh, of joy. Uh, we have to maintain that attitude because if we're not careful, we, come, we become people of no faith. We become people who point a finger at God. We, we become a people who cop an attitude. We become a people who have a hard heart. And we become a people who doubt this just because we've had an experience that did not go according to the script. You have to be intentional in, in your faith. You have to keep the, the right attitude. And then the Apostle Paul had, had an agenda to go to Spain. And uh, he writes this in the Roman epistles. And he told the Roman church, when I'm, I'm en route to Spain, I, I'm going to stop by Rome and let you help me on my journey. Now, the Apostle Paul never got to Spain. The Apostle Paul uh, was actually sent to Rome as a prisoner. He didn't go first class. He was a prisoner of Rome. And, and he remained a prisoner for the rest of his life, just uh, under the, the tyranny of the Roman government. But, but Paul never fulfill that vision to go to Spain. And when he was on this ship being taken to Rome as a prisoner, he encountered a hurricane. For 14 days, they were in a hurricane, and it was capable of destroying everybody aboard the ship, 276 people. And the Apostle Paul had a visit from an angel, and he makes this declaration. Which, which is where intentional faith has to rest. He's in the middle of a storm, and he makes this declaration to all the people on the ship. He said, don't worry about it. I believe it is going to be exactly the way God told me. That's the trump card of faith. I may be in a storm. It may look bad. It may seem I'm near death, but God himself is going to have the last word and it's going to be exactly as God has spoken to me. That, that was his faith. And then he wrote to the Roman church. He said, we know one of the most powerful promises given to any of us here today, that God is working all things together for good, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, now think about that. If we stay locked into God, the all things of our life, whether they be good, bad, stormy, peaceful, God takes it all and works it to our good. Works it to our good. What a promise. I mean, goodness, seven weeks in rehab, and I get this wonderful sermon out of it. God worked it to good. I wouldn't have this wonderful sermon if I hadn't gone to rehab. 
you would know about bright red lipstick being intentional faith. God, God can just work everything to good. People, we are involved with God, not an idle God, a living God who just takes it all and works it to good. Now, the Apostle Paul never got to Rome, I mean to Spain. Rome was as far as he journeyed. But the man, when he was imprisoned, when, when uh, God moved upon him, he started writing epistles. And two-thirds of our New Testament are these personal letters that this man wrote many times under great stress. Some of the most incredible literature we can ever read. Letters that now part of our Bible. So Paul never physically preached in Spain. But every time a Christian preacher in Spain stands up and reads from the book of Romans, Paul is preaching in Spain because God can work everything to good. The Apostle Paul is preaching this morning in Mount Prospect, Illinois, uh, preaching thousands of years after his death because God can work everything to good. So, you know, you, you may, uh, well, I know you, I don't have to say may. Things happen. Life happens. Uh, theology uh, cannot just be this, this little box we tie up with a bow because we're living in, in a very unredeemed world. But when life happens, we have to be intentional. We shake the dust. We rise up. We keep the attitude of praise. We stay focused, believing God's working everything to our good. And he is, because he, he said he would. One last story, and then I'll pray for you. Gene and I are graduates of the University of Alabama, and we enjoy watching the Crimson Tide play football. We live in Georgia, and on this particular night, Alabama had played in the afternoon, and the game was not televised, but we were told by announcers that at 11 o'clock that night, the Alabama game would be shown on TV. So Gene and I decided we'd prop up in bed and watch the Crimson Tide roll. Now, we turned on the TV, and, and we already knew the score because we had seen that in the afternoon. We just wanted to watch them play. And, you know, the first quarter began, and Alabama throws the football. It's intercepted. That team scores, seven to nothing, other team. A few minutes later, Alabama fumbles. That team scores, 14 to nothing. Then the team has the ball, and they run it for a touchdown. 21, Alabama's nothing at the end of the first quarter. And by this time, it's about 12, 12, 15. Gene looked at me, and he said, you know, I've got to preach in the morning. And he said, there's no reason for us to watch this because we already know Alabama wins. And so we turned off the TV and went to sleep. And as I was laying there, I thought about God. And sometimes the score in life is devil 21 and you're nothing. But let me tell you, the whistle hadn't blown yet. 
when the whistle blows, we win. We win. And there's no reason to stay up all night. There's no reason to fret about it. You just need to do what God says. Shake it off. Rise up. Praise the Lord. Stay focused knowing God's working everything to good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Now, if you're here this morning and and you've just fallen into something, I, I just want you to stand where you are. Just do it very quickly. I want God to minister to you. You're in a tribulation. You're in an issue. Uh, Affliction has come. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's children. But like me, you've just fallen into things. Life isn't going according to the script that, that the Bible has written. A will that is not God is happening. So, Father, we thank you now for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for everything that you're doing right now in the hearts of these who find themselves in a trial. I I pray for these right here in this section, that the power of Almighty God will touch your lives, will touch your situations. And my sister right here, the, the Lord said to tell you, that when you look at things, it looks like God's not doing anything. But God wants you to know there is a mighty work of God that is going on in answer to your prayers. And he just wants you not to look at what you see, but in that unseen realm, God is working. And I release the power of God. I release the power of God. To this section right here, I stretch my hands. And I thank you, God. You are working your power. Everyone here who's been through that hard place that you're just going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. My brother in the blue shirt, the Lord said all he wants you to do is to stand still. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to have the answers You don't have to know what God did yesterday or what he's going to do tomorrow. He reminds you of Moses that stood at the Red Sea and told the children of Israel, stand still and see the salvation of God. The Lord says to you, stand still and God's going to do something. And I pray for this section. Lord, in in this middle section, these two middle sections right here, I just stretch my hands toward these two two sections. And I thank you, Father, for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that that is moving on behalf of your people. This, This section here, I thank you, Father, for what you're doing, that there's nothing. uh, Somebody in one of these sections, it's a hard thing, and, and it seems too hard for God. And God wants you to know nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is, is too hard for him. Somebody's trying to put puzzle pieces together in these, these sections here. I don't know which one it is. And you don't have to put the puzzle together. You do not have to put the puzzle together. Just go to sleep and let God do it in Jesus' name. This section on the extreme right, I stretch my hands towards your people that it's going to be exactly as God has told you. 
uh, somebody here, it's just stormy. It's going to be exactly as God has told you. Exactly. In Jesus' name. Now let's all just stand up a minute. Would you do that? Now I'd like you just in faith to make a decision now to be intentional in your faith. Spiritually, put on your bright red lipstick. Make a decision. I'm going to fight. I'm going to keep. Now, if it's not, uh, you know, negative to you, just shake your feet right now. Just shake it off. Whatever life's done to you, shake it off. Shake it off. Leave it here. Don't let it go home with you. Shake it off. Shake it off. Now you're rising up. I'd like you to lift your hands as a praise to God and bless the Lord in this sanctuary. And then I want you to make a decision to stay focused, to stay focused that God is going to have the last word. And then I want you to make this confession of faith. My God is working all things together to my good. I am the victor. I'm not a beneath, I'm above, and the game is settled, I'm the winner. With the help of God, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I intentionally rise up in faith today. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord.